We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sean, let's transition and wrapping up with some questions. And we we talked about a ton, and a lot of these questions we kind of we we I think we've kind of gotten into. But there's some there's just some good questions out there that I want to address here uh, in the Q and A portion. Uh, first of all, we have a super chat from Chris Basker. Thank you, Chris. Any recruits that you see Notre Dame as number two that could surprise and come to Notre Dame? I'd like to be on the Oregon or OSU side of one of those key recruits. Well, they have been, Chris. I mean, this is the thing is like I know it's like the recency aspect of it, but you know, there's a Kid defensive Notre Dame missed on a defensive lineman from to Ohio State, but they started this whole thing off by beating Ohio State for an in Ohio in-state kid that Ohio State wanted in Brendan Vernon. Uh, they've also beat Ohio State. Uh, Keon Keeley's the guy that Ohio State's been trying to flip for a long time. I don't see that happening. Notre Dame's won their battles against Ohio State. Ohio State's won some battles against Notre Dame. That's where it's always going to be. Yeah. Right. The the problem was. For a decade, there was only one coach in Notre Dame that could beat Ohio State for kids, and that was Harry Heastan. That was it. I mean, outside of getting Kramer and Eichenberg and Jimmy Byrne and some of the linemen, I mean, Notre Dame, like they got Sean Crawford out of Ohio, but Ohio State wasn't really recruiting him heavily. He was kind of a, a plan B option and got stuff like that. So they, they didn't really, even though he had an Ohio State offer, having an offer doesn't mean you can pick a school, right? Now, maybe they still would have beat Ohio State for Sean Crawford, maybe, but if we're being honest, they didn't beat him. They just haven't been competitive in these battles in the past. Now there's people upset that they don't win all of them. Like the narrative has changed so much and it's been, it's been exciting, but yes, you know, they guys, again, they've beaten these schools for, especially Oregon. They've beaten Morgan for more kids and then they've lost to Oregon. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So um, just perspective a little bit is all I'm, is all I'm asking for on that one. Brandon K, how do you balance having a complex off and offense given all of our weapons with also staying controlled enough to not overly complicate it for the players? Did you take first crack at that, Sean? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Because I think that's been an issue for Notre Dame in the past, right? Is they've they've tried to run offenses that are so complex that it's hard for the players to really have it down until they're like seniors and fifth year seniors, right? So it's a it can be a challenging. Oh, you know what? The best answer would be, and Notre Dame actually faced this team in the 2020 college football playoff. That talented Alabama team mm-hmm. was the most simplistic offense you would ever see. It was mm-hmm. literally zone plays, other run schemes, play action, deep ball with rugs in the, in the slot, and swing passes to get Devontae Smith out in space to get their talented skill position guys out in space. Like, it was a lot of motion. There was a lot of things going on. But at its core, it was a very simplistic game plan that Steve Sarkeesian was trying to implement every week. Mm-hmm. Get the ball in the hands of our guys as fast right. as we can and let them make plays. That's really what it was all about. And he had the perfect guy at the head of the ship running it with Mac Jones that could decide pre-snap, this is who needs to get the ball here. Mm-hmm. And he got the ball out of his hands quickly. That was That was the best thing he could do. Diagnose, get the ball out of my hands quickly, get it to the right guy, let our guys make plays. Mm-hmm. And that's really what efficiency on offense is all about, you know, getting the ball to the right person in the right space to give them the best chance to be efficient and do what they can do. Yep. So as much talent as you have, you know, on offense, you don't want to do too much. You just have to find a simplistic way to get the ball to that's your right. playmakers. Jermaine Hargraves, what would the narrative be if Tyler Buckner played under Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams played under BK? People underestimate Tyler Buckner like he wasn't a five-star and give Caleb Williams all the hype. First thing on that, Tyler was not a five-star by the time his career was over because he didn't play as a senior. And, and I mean, honestly, I get where you're coming from, Jermaine. I mean, if if Tyler Buckner would have stepped into the Oklahoma offense last year, I think he would have been pretty good. I don't know if he would have been quite as good as Tyler Williams for the reasons we discussed. I don't know how good of a fit he'd be in that offense and and the fact that he didn't play and I, I don't think Caleb Williams played his senior year either I think DC canceled football as well that year right there's a reason um, you would have felt more comfortable if he was in that Oklahoma offense though because of the pedigree right of, of development yeah. and, of and Lincoln position. Riley would have had him like playing mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. uh you're absolutely right I mean I think there's a lot to that and Caleb Williams probably Caleb Williams probably doesn't play for Notre Dame last year mm. I mean the only reason Tyler played is because he brought a running at that's not Caleb Williams can run. He's not a runner. You know, he's a pocket passer that can move and run and he's a good athlete, but he's likes to do damage from the pocket. He can hurt you with his legs. Don't get me wrong, but he's more Pat Mahomes than he is. In my opinion, he is Josh Allen. If we're using that comparison for earlier, Um, you know, so I don't know if he plays, I mean, maybe he, Jack gets benched and he comes in and does a good job and keeps the job maybe, but who's to say Caleb would have been prepared to play last year? Cause again, there's not much of a track record of Brian Kelly getting that done. So I think Jermaine is completely spot on on that. And, and that's the thing is it's the recency bias of it, right? Like, I mean, Caleb, we're supposed to be this great player. Dude almost lost to Kansas last year. I mean, literally almost lost to Kansas. I mean, went, 
10 and two, right? Last year, what Oklahoma wasn't exactly world beaters last year with him, but the conversation is, I mean, did you see what happened when they went to Baylor? How he played against Baylor, you know, Caleb Williams lost to Oklahoma state too. Right. I mean, you know, they didn't have a 28 to seven lead over Oklahoma state like Notre Dame did, no. you know? So no, you're absolutely right. It, 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 Sean. And I think your, your, your point is you're going to give the benefit of the doubt of the kid to place for Lincoln Riley, because you know, Lincoln Riley can produce quarterbacks. produce quarterbacks. Yep. Although I will say this, we don't know yet if Lincoln Riley can take a kid as a freshman and developing them to something because every quarterback he's had that's had success transferred in from somewhere else. The closest thing was Kyler who had to kind of develop a little bit behind Baker, but I mean, he, he started as a freshman at Texas A&M, right? He got his experience somewhere else. Baker transferred in from Texas tech. Kalen Hurts transferred in from Alabama, you know, link, uh, the kid that transferred Spencer Rattler was the first kid he had to take from day one. That was coached only by Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And he didn't pan out. And he's now yeah. in South Carolina. So, but that's not the narrative. And he right? really was the only, which goes to recruiting as well, because that was the mm-hmm. only guy that he targeted in high school to get to come to Norman. But he wasn't like the others. Mm-hmm. He could he couldn't go off script. Mm-hmm. He couldn't use his legs to make plays when he got out of the pocket. And that's what you saw right. when that running game and that offensive line wasn't up to par to what it was previous years. He didn't have the wherewithal to be able to make plays and keep the offense going. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, yeah, it's, that's why, this is why recruiting college football is not an exact science. Right. Who knows? Caleb Williams could go out to USC and, and flop. <laughs> mm-hmm. He could blow up. Right. And Tyler Buckner could be the Heisman Trophy winner next right. year. Right, or he could you know? get beat out by Drew Pine halfway through the year, yeah. right? We'll have to find it all out. Matt Lee says, now that D-line, we, uh, now D-line-wise, we focus hard on Justin Scott from the Chicago area who is coming in for the huge barbecue event of the 26th. I do want to point out, it seemed like some of the people in the chat, um, it's maybe I'm wrong, I'm re- reading into it incorrectly, Sean, but it sounded like some people were kind of looking at him like maybe they think he's a 23 player, a class of 23 player. He's not. Yeah. Justin Scott is a 2024 prospect. I do not see right now Notre Dame expanding the board uh, for defensive line prospects. I, I don't see that. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't see that. Um, but Sean, you've talked to Justin. You handle his recruitment. Why don't you go ahead and fill people in on that event and kind of where you think things are going and all that other kind of stuff? Yeah, Justin Scott is, you know, it's funny because. The defensive line guys, and you can point to this because actually, you know, I talked to Champ Thompson recently who added Notre Dame over the weekend to his top. He expanded his list from 10 to 12 and added Penn State and Notre Dame. And there's a similar trend with the new coaches that came in. It was the same thing with Cam Williams and Chancey Stuckey. And it's the same thing with Coach Al Washington and these other guys to where the guys that were on staff, they were able to kind of keep things going and stay in contact with both the 23 guys and the 24 guys. But a lot of 24 guys that were being recruited by new coaches coming in, there was a little bit of lag in communication kind of from the time they received an offer and the pot of gold, which is March 17th up to the end of April where they really didn't hear from the staff. Right. And then once they got through the blue and gold game and that weekend, then the staff kind of transitioned and started right. to really turn up the heat. And it was like that with Justin Scott and Champ Thompson. They both talked about that, but they all both have rave reviews about their relationship with Coach Al Washington. So mm-hmm. uh, Champ Thompson wanted to make it, but he had a previous trip. He'll be in uh, Tuscaloosa on the 25th. So that's the reason why he couldn't come down on the 26th. Justin Scott will be coming up. Cam Williams will be coming up, who's a, a commit in the 24 class. I think all five commits are going to be all there. Th- yeah. yeah, Cam Williams has been tirelessly, tirelessly working on Justin Scott. And Justin Scott is a kid that I shared with Ryan before he even got his offer um, late in the spring that was waiting to mm-hmm. receive the Notre Dame offer, like waiting. 
So it's a kid that's very, very interested in Notre Dame. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he ended up being a fall commit mm-hmm. during the season. Wouldn't shock me at all. Be huge. They need to get him. We watched his film again yesterday, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a uh, dude. dude. I, I remember when I hit you, like, remember, I hit I hit you and I said, yo, is Notre Dame not on this Yeah, kid? yeah. And, and I immediately, like, and I was like, I've never heard of that kid. Yeah. So then I pop into film, I was like, uh, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, yeah, but I think it was a lot of it because they were, they had to reshape their entire 23 board Yeah, at some positions and, and some different things. And then, you know, you went a while, you didn't have your offensive, your defensive coordinator wasn't hired. You needed yeah. to see what he wanted to do to kind of, yeah. before he moved on. So you got the offers out, but then like, who are we going to target? And here's the other thing people have to understand too. Sometimes their name is going to be late getting offers out to Chicago kids because a lot of these Chicago kids, you have to run the risk of if you offer him now, uh, you may, he may want to commit and you haven't had a chance to look at his transcripts. You haven't had a chance to, you know, do a, a character background check. You haven't had a chance to do, you know, your full film evaluation. There's a lot of things that you need to do before you take a commitment where Sean, you and I both know there's kids in Chicago, the Notre Dame called up right now, cold called, cold called and yeah, said, Hey, you got an offer. They'd, they'd be like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. And you gotta <laughs> yes. be careful with that. Yes. You know, so sometimes those kids are going to be later getting offers as the staff, especially when there's a turnover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be an issue moving forward. You should, you know, you're going to be a year ahead. You'll have all that stuff. But when you have the big turnover like Notre Dame had, that's going to that's going to factor into it as well. So yeah. I think if the next the, the Justin Scott of 2025 won't that won't be an issue. No, it, you know, it'll happen because, again, you can't just look at a film like that's a five star. We're taking him. There's a lot more to it than that. It- and I, you know what I just thought about that I'd never thought about? We talk about the transition of bringing the staff in, but then that staff has to look at what has gone out mm-hmm. as far as offers, and ha- they have to have conversations about, well, I, man, honest conversations. Like, I don't know if I really like this guy. Right. I know we offered him, but right. it's really not my His type personality of doesn't His fit personality well. Fit. Absolutely. I've what learned I things about his work ethic that yeah. we didn't know that you can't know from just watching game film. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, he, he, he has good grades, but if you talk to his guidance counselor, he works as hard as he does to get the grades he has. Yeah. And you know, like I've, I've, I mean, this has happened before. Notre Dame has kind of reached out to guidance counselors and people in the academic, like, Hey, look, this is a great kid. He tries hard. We've sent kids to your school. This kid is going to struggle. And then you got to make your decision, like, do we want to put the kid in that situation where he's working so hard to stay above academically that he can't that then impacts. be a good football player? Absolutely. Would this kid maybe be better off going somewhere where the academic rigors are easier than he could get a good education still, even though it won't be yours, but mm-hmm. he'll have a chance to be successful in football? you got to make those decisions. Yep. You know, and and look, there's been kids in, like the Notre Dame a lot that Notre Dame realized, like, this kid doesn't give a crap about academics. And sometimes they've taken those guys. Yeah. And more often than not, it's bit him in the butt. Yeah. And so, that, that I mean, there are some different things. But what Marcus Freeman has embraced, which I love, is there are a lot of kids out there that are great football players that actually do care about academics and do care about success. We just have to convince them that we can get them going on the football side. I mean, look, Notre Dame isn't going to not get Caleb Downs because he doesn't like their academic situation. It's because when you put them on the list, the three teams he's looking at, and then there's Notre Dame. And what do those three things teams have in common that Notre Dame doesn't have? So it's two things, really. A long history of producing elite defensive backs. And you can say, well, what about Harrison Smith and Kyle Hamilton? That's a decade apart, folks. A decade apart. Those other teams are doing that every year almost, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing is they've won championships. Notre Dame hasn't. So, so that's the. It's not the finding kids that care about academics. It's the hard part for Notre Dame. Caleb Downs absolutely cares about academics. Jason Moore absolutely cares about academics. That's why he one of the reasons he liked Notre Dame. But can you convince him that you can go produce him in the NFL the way Larry Johnson's done at Ohio State, and that you can win a championship? That's the hard part right now. And uh, Washington doesn't have that track record because he hasn't coached defensive line in six years, right? No. And so those are the things that are overcoming. The academic piece is there now. It's the football part is why they're losing some of these battles. Dante Moore's a 4.0 student. It's just sometimes there's other things that are more important to some of these kids. Yeah. you got to be able to convince these kids that, hey, look, this part's good. It's the other part. If, if, if Caleb Downs is making an academic decision, you'd be picking their name. 
He's making a football decision. You can still care about academics when you're making a football decision. And I'll say it this way, Sean, it's like, it's like saying to a kid, yeah, you're going to Northwestern. Yeah, I am excited. That's a great academic school. What are you going to major in? Well, I got to pick something else because they don't offer the major I really wanted to offer. But hey, it's Northwestern though. Right. Well, that's a stupid academic decision <laughs> as opposed to going to, you know, University of Illinois that maybe doesn't have the same academic academic re- reputation, but they're very strong in that particular field that you want to major in. Yeah. Right. Like if you want to be an architect, Notre Dame is a phenomenal school. Probably not your number one choice in regards to being an architect. Are there tracks to that? Yes, there are. But there are other schools that simply are better in that area. Yeah. doesn't mean that you don't care about academics. It's just that this particular school offers this particular field that I want to be a professional in. It's just a better program here. Well, these kids want to are major in football. You can still care about education, but your chosen profession is football. And if this school is better in football, I don't care that this school has a better academic reputation because this school is going to help prepare me for the thing that I want to do with my life. And as people like Myron Roll and some other, and Christian Wilkins at Clemson have proven, if you care about academics, you can get a good education there. Right? Yeah. But this school is going to make me a top 10 pick. That school's not based on the last 20 years. If you're Christian Wilkins and you're looking at Notre Dame's producing defensive linemen in the 20 years before you decided to go to college and, and Clemson's, uh, you know, it's an easy it's, choice. Brainer. Yeah. I can put in the work to get two degrees in five years, which is what he did here and still be a top 15 pick. I don't know that I can do that over there. Right. And that's what it boils down to. So, th- th- yes, it's what people but remember. Christian Wilkins is a Notre Dame fit. Correct. But it was football. It was football was the reason. Now, that's one of those battles. I, I'd be willing to bet you a chunk of money that Notre Dame would have won that battle if this staff, if they oh, had a staff like this one back then. That's a closer battle. I think they get it. Yeah. I think they would win that one, in my opinion. Because like you said, Christian Wilkins was absolutely a Notre Dame fit. It's just he didn't want to play in that defense. And, and he, he would have yeah. been beloved Oh yes, at Notre Dame with his oh, personality. Yes. Oh, yes. All right, we got some more. Sean Kane, who's the most realistic of the three quarterbacks being that uh, Notre Dame got in on them late? You know, I think it's Novasad and Minchie are probably the two. Mo- I, I think Brock I Glenn, I, I think because yeah. of the relationships. Right. It, I'd say Minchie is right there, too, because I, I, yeah. I've heard he likes Notre Dame a lot, but he's you know committed to Pitt. They're both. Mm-hmm. He is. Novasad has been more inclined to leaving Baylor than Minchie has been to leaving Pitt. Yeah. It's just with Novasad, it's like, okay, are you are you in on are you I mean, are you able to catch Ohio State? Are you able to catch Texas AM if they offer? That's the bigger the bigger question. I think with Minchie, he doesn't have as many suitors right now because he's right. pretty adamant about being committed to Pitt. Yeah. So if they offered, I'd be very curious to see what his reaction would be. We don't know the answer to that yet because Notre Dame hasn't offered. Yeah. Uh, but I think those two of the three, I think Brock Glenn's probably the least realistic of the three just because he seems to be much closer to decision-making mode mm. than the other two are. And and he doesn't have the relationship, like you mentioned, with Novasad and Braylon James and Shane Greathouse and those kind of guys. Yeah. Antoine porsche Rideau after Ryan Wingo and Cam Williams. Who are the receivers that Notre Dame is going to uh, after the hardest in 2024? So, Antoine, I wanted to um, – I wanted to still bring this up. Uh, we actually talked about that in a recent podcast. We're also going to have some stuff on the site about that, but really just throwing some names out there just to begin – uh, we'll dive into this more in future shows, but Micah Hudson from Texas is a big one. Yep. Uh, Emmett Mosley from California, although he could, he's kind of a two-way guy uh, whose position is maybe a little bit more up in the air, but that's a name to know. Uh, Emmett Mosley is, um, you know, uh, uh, Mylon Graham is a kid from Fort Wayne that earned a scholarship offer during the, the uh, Irish invasion. He's a kid that you're going to want to know about. He's a really talented football player. Uh, Breedell Richardson is a kid that I think is on Notre Dame's radar. I'm not sure if I'm at the point where I think they actually have a shot to get him, but he likes Notre Dame. He visited on his own dime. Uh, Jeremiah McClellan from St. Louis is another name to know. Jason Robinson, who's committed to USC, has said he will be visiting Notre Dame on the weekend of the 26th, so that'll be interesting. Uh, and then uh, another name is Notre Dame is trying to get Tysier Denmark from Pennsylvania on campus. If they can get him on campus soon, I think they might have a shot there. But right now, I'd say they're kind of on the outside looking in, but they're still putting in work and trying to get there. So those are just some names to know. We'll dive further into their recruitments moving forward, but those are some guys that will get out there. Got a couple super chats here, Sean, uh, from Lee Gannon. Once the big super conferences get going, will there still be room or interest in their teams uh, on their team schedules to play Notre Dame? 
I mean, Sean, as far as I know, these conferences haven't started talking about how they're only going to play each other. In con- I'm not saying that sarcastically, but I haven't heard anything legitimate other than fans saying this. I haven't heard anything legitimate about them only playing each other. Uh, I haven't heard anything like that uh, in, in, in regards to that. So, yes, there'll still be teams that want to play Notre Dame and, yeah. and are contractually obligated to play Notre Dame. William Chesney with a super chat. Uh, Coach Marcus Freeman and now Washington, other staff know Ohio State in and out. Pre-game environment stadium with their background. How much do you think it helps them to get the team ready for all the expectations of Ohio State night game? I, I want to take a shot at that, Sean. I mean, talking about basically is like the Zerks, because you got to think about Freeman, Washington, but also um, James Arnitis, you know, as a, as a player. Yeah. How does that help them? Not so much. And I, I like the way this question is asked because he's not asking about how does that help them to call, put a game plan together. It's more about how does that help them be prepared for the environment of playing a night game at Ohio State? Well, let me say this. The leadership on this team has either faced Ohio State in a championship game or been a part of the college football playoff. So there is no bigger stage. Right. The players understand. That's the great thing about being a student athlete at Notre Dame. Like the bright lights, I I can't say there's a game I've watched Notre Dame where they just were not ready to play. When they lost to Clemson in the playoffs, they were ready to play. They just went up against a better team. When they they competed and were ready to play against Alabama, they just faced a better team. So being ready, being prepared, that won't be the problem. And I think we have heard things from people close to the program, Brian, where without making it known who the first opponent is, it's very much known and is already being taken very serious Mm -hmm. by the players. Like they know, like nothing needs to be said. I think that's the message that's come out. We don't have to sit up there and talk about who we're playing September 3rd. They know. The players are taking that accountability to let each mm-hmm. other know, hey, let's go. Let's be ready. Yeah. Let's focus. And that's right. what you want to hear. You don't really want coaches having to get you fired up, having to remind you, like, the players, and this has been the right. case for a long time in Notre Dame and under a totally different culture with this regime, but the players have taken accountability for this locker room and this program for a long time. Mm-hmm. They just really have. Right. Win, lose, a man. This is our team, our locker room. Let's go rock. Right. And now, you know, it's it won't be any different. So I don't, I don't think there's anything. Um, I won't say that there isn't anything special that they can bring to the process with the knowledge they do have, because it is something. Right. That they can bring to the process. But what? they don't have to do is to get these guys fired up to play. I think the problem that they had in the past was, is they were unprepared for the environments in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. mainly from a executing the game, like the Georgia game in 19. I mean, they were admitting after the game, we weren't prepared for the crowd noise. How that are you not prepared <laughs> for crowd noise playing at university of Georgia? Right? Like, Oh, I mean, that's man. just incompetence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you know, it's it's stuff like that. I mean, there's things you can do uh, to to get yourself ready, the, the, you know, as far as pumping in crowd noise and all that stuff. And that's all fine and dandy. But at the end yeah. of the day, what 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 is going to help this team? And, and William, those are all good points. And I think there are some things. Hey, look, here's laying out what it's like, the, the visitor locker room, the tunnel. I mean, all, yeah. here's what the crowd is. This is what they're going to yell at you. I mm-hmm. mean, stuff like that. But that's. That that's I mean that's kind of everywhere you go. It, you, you've Notre Dame's played in loud environments before. I mean, yeah. Ohio State's going to be super loud, right? So was Georgia, right? So I mean, they've played in front of hundred thousand people on road games before. Not this yeah. particular group, but Notre Dame. You know, I mean yeah. these these kids are going to understand what it's like playing in. You know, maybe Ohio State's a little bit more decimals, but it's they've played in these environments before. Yeah. It's more about what is your confidence level as a program and what is your confidence level in your preparation to go out there and withstand all that. So to me, Sean, it's like what you, what you, what Dexter Williams was talking about when they went and played Miami, and these fans are like rocking the bus. And I mean, you know, it, 
it, you don't have to prepare. Hey, guys, if they rock the bus, hey, just in case they rock the bus, that's fine. You can say all that. But it was a lack of are we really ready for this mm-hmm. that was existing within too many players, which is why they what happened happened. And that's yeah. what Dex was saying. And I've heard that from other players, too. Uh, I've heard that from some coaches that were frustrated with the business-like manner in which they went about that week. Like, no, 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 this isn't no. business-like. We're getting ready to go play freaking Miami on the right. road, the top 10 team. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that could go into the structure right. of said coach, right? Right. Which is right. why I feel really good with the time that Marcus Freeman has chosen to spend with Lou right. Holtz, right? Because Lou Holtz, what his players would tell you, leading up to a big game, right. like right. we were loose. Right. Because right. he made the easy and game. That's exactly it. Like, right. Because so here's my point. Like Spanky said, the Miami game was the loudest I've ever been at. And it, it was incredibly loud, but it became incredibly loud. Yeah. If Brandon Wimbush executes and bangs St. Saint Brown on that post route, first drive of the game, they never get to that point because that right. is one of the most front runner crowds you'll ever find. If they get yeah. a lead, they're going to be loud and crazy. If you jump on them, they go away. That's just been Miami's MO for a long time. And then the but coaching that staff team, got tight. Right. When exactly. The coaching exactly. Staff got tight. Exactly. That's what they can bring to the table. It's that looseness. Hey, I've been in there. And I, you know, I, look, I'll, I played in the freaking Super I coached in the Super Bowl last year. Right? right. Like, I'm sorry. Ohio Stadium is a great place, but it's like I coached in the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, with all due respect, you know, if you're Marcus Freeman, you've played in the National Football League. I mean, you know, if you're James Laronitis, you were a – a, a multi-time all pro, you know, 10 year plus player team, you know, you've done all those kind of things. I think those are the things to say, look, we're going to, we're going to be ready. We're going to be confident. We're going to be prepared. And when you're confident in your preparation and you're confident in your coach's ability to get you prepared to play games, those things aren't going to phase you. They're going to fire you up. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I remember that, you know, Sean is my freshman year of high school. We played at green run. This was okay. Plexico Burris's junior, junior year. And if you know anything about Green Run and where I went, Kempsville, they're very different place. Even though they're both in Virginia Beach, they're very different. And, you know, we're pulling up in our school bus and they're rocking the bus. And somebody throws a rock at the window and breaks them. And we were shook. Our team was shook. And they just ran us. Glenwood, Farabee, and, and Plex, they just ran us off the field. The next year, though, we had a different type of leadership. You know, we our coach took a different attitude where we kind of had a chip on our shoulder going into that game. We weren't afraid of them anymore. And, you know, we knocked Plex out of the game. You know, he, he was coming across in the end zone, caught, was about to catch a pass. Jarvis George comes up, drills him, hits him right in the chest. Plex limps off the field. We don't see him again. And we beat him for district championship because our mentality was different. Our yeah. leadership was different. We weren't shook by that. We were like, bring all that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, bring all that noise. Bring all that trash talk. Bring all that. You know, and that's where you said at the very beginning, the, the leadership has got to be there. Yeah, because once the whistle blows, Marcus Freeman can't run out on the field and say, "Hey, man, it's all good. Patch on the butt. You got this." Yeah, Al Gold can say, "Hey, man, don't worry. I was in the Super Bowl last year." It comes down to the player leadership. That is something that the coaches have to have to foster and grow and build and establish through the winter, spring, summer, and fall camp. Those are the things ultimately are going to give you have a chance to be successful in Ohio State. And that's a a, a great question, by the way, William. Re- re- really, really good question. Last couple we'll get to here, and then we've, we've got to run. I'm curious to get your stance on this, Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Tunnell asks, uh, what should the run-pass mix be in 2022, 60-40? Uh, that would be high, but seems justified. I'm, I'm going to say my answer, Sean, and I'd like to hear your response to it. What I we- don't oh. care. <laughs> I don't care. And, Bill, I'm not being dismissive. My whole thing is I'm a believer that you allow your success in the game plan and what the defense is doing to dictate your run pass. I'm not someone who necessarily believes in that. I also think too, the advent of the RPO has really taken away from the ability to look at numbers of 60, 40, 50, 50, because you could call 15 run plays that turn into pass plays without audibling because of the RPOs. And so your run game is actually something the impacts. You may only run the ball 30 times and throw it 35, but, you know, 10 of your 35 passes were screens and quick hitches that are essentially an extension of your run game. So I just think we have to look at how what we define as a run and a pass a little differently now because of the RPO and the perimeter pass and those type of things. So, uh, and, and honestly, if, if the defense comes out and says, we're not going to let you run on us, and you don't run and you throw for 400 yards and you win, I don't care. 
right? As long as it's because you're taking what they're giving you and you're having success. I think at the end of the day, what I view as success, Bill, is you need to be efficient and explosive in both areas. Some games you're going to be 70-30 run to pass. Some games you may be 70-30 pass to run. At the end of the day, whatever you try to take away from us, that's fine because we got something else over here we can do for you. And then you can kind of come back to the other part later. So that's my thing is I've never been a big fan of the ratios, mm-hmm. and that's especially true in the modern offenses with the advent of the RPO because you are essentially calling a run play, but the ball's being thrown. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think listening to Marcus Freeman, you would get the sense that they're going to run the ball more than they pass the ball. But I'm like you. I don't like the ratio. I'm more of the mindset that I would love for this team to have the attitude that we can do whatever we want to do whenever we need to do it. If we need to line up and throw the ball 40 times, we can do it and win. If we need to run, line up, Run the ball 45, mm-hmm. 50 times, we can do it. Yep. Especially when we need to late in the game. Yep. We can do whatever we need to do. And that's what you want this offense to be. Um, I think it's going to vary based upon the opponent, the situation. You know, no, I don't expect Tyler Buckner to walk into the horseshoe and throw the ball 40, 40 times. Right. I don't. Not if they're going to win. Could it happen? Yeah. Yeah, of course it could happen. Yeah. But do I think that's going to be ha- – is that the optimal game plan right. that they're going to walk into the horseshoe with in order to get a win? No, I don't think it is. So, But, heck, they can come out against North Carolina and feel like, hey, yeah. you know, this defense, this secondary is really really not that good. Yep. Let's go at them. Yep. Let's get on I, them early. So I had a chance to interview Coach Freeman. I've said that to people, uh, and I asked him about this. I said, look. You know what? It, what is your offensive philosophy? You know, I said I'm not talking about like specific schemes or system. You know, just general. What's your offensive philosophy? And this is what he said. Um, so uh, he, here's what he wrote. I said uh, my question was, um, do, I said, do you have a philosophy on offense that you'd like to get to? Is it more of hiring a coach or you know that can do A, B, and C and D? Ultimately, in a perfect world, is he a running rate guy or is he is he you know what is he? And he said he says, look, I tell all, Tommy, this is a direct quote from Coach Freeman. I tell Tommy all the time, I want to be able to run the ball at will. Why? Because to me, that opens up the pass game. If you can be a team that says, I'm going to establish the run, I'm going to be able to run the ball no matter no matter short yardage, no matter first down, we're going to have to be able to show that we can run the ball. That truly opens up the pass game. I'm not saying just be a team that how many rushing yards you know are we going to get? No, that's not what I'm saying. It's a mentality of running the ball to be able to open up the pass game is so important. It can create so many different challenges to a defense. So that's important to me. I want to be able to utilize different tempos. I want to be able to make sure they have a, de- a defense uh, defend 53 and a third. That means the width of the field. Uh, utilize different formations and widths on the football field to make them defend 53 and a third. So that's the mindset I have on offense. We're going to be creative, but also aggressive. So again, that may not mean you run for 250 a game, but we will if you give it to us, you know, um, and, and, I think because because like the 2017 offense, they could run the ball on anyone is yeah. basically. Yeah. But except what Georgia, the only team they played all year that could match them in the trenches. And why could they match them? Because they had no fear of Notre Dame throwing the ball over their head. Yeah. And that's the key is 
you know, you have to be able to to have that balance. And if you can run the ball, great, but you also have to be able to throw the football. And I think that's what Coach was saying there, in my opinion, and understands. And I think that in itself was, you know, a game that I watched over the weekend that was amazing to me. Do you remember that number one versus number two matchup in 2000? It was the year after Oklahoma had won the national championship, beating Florida State. And they went up to uh, Lincoln to mm-hmm. face off against uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. And I'm sitting here, and for me, I'm always amazed at Nebraska because most people say, um, you know, that offense was so limited. And I'm, and I'm sitting here watching for the first time, and I'm saying to myself, yo, I didn't realize how much they changed formations. Mm-hmm. with the same personnel but would run the same play <laughs> like they would give you a different look like they would bring in their blocking tight ends run a play then they would bring in their pass catching tight ends it's still tight ends spread them out come back with the same play right and it is mentally I literally watched a really good Oklahoma defense with Tommy Harris in the middle, a young Tommy Harris, and Rocky Kalmus and those great linebackers literally get to the fourth quarter. I'm talking about fresh off a national championship. Literally get to the fourth quarter and just almost say with five minutes left, man, like just give up on some plays. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I'm, my wheel is broken. I'm broken. Mm-hmm. I'm trying hard, but it's broken. And I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what Marcus Freeman is saying. Right. There's so many benefits on the football field to being able to run the ball at will. Yeah. The t- they know you're about to run the ball. Right. And you still. Florida knew that Nebraska was going to try to oh. run in the Orange Bowl. Oh, man. I mean. There's nothing they could know, do. Florida State 93 knew that Notre Dame was going to try to run. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Right. But in, in today's era, I still believe that there you have to be able to – college football is different than the NFL. Yeah. you got to be able to run the football. I think the best teams, however, the teams are able to strike that balance to where a good team, if Georgia or Bama or Ohio State even, want to say, Notre Dame, you're not going to run the ball on us. Guess what? They can make sure that Notre Dame doesn't run the ball on them. The, cha- the challenge is can you do that without saying, then we're going to throw for 380 and – jump all you know go that way yeah and that's that's the thing certain in the past they've had some teams who could throw on people mm-hmm. but couldn't then go out and establish the run game if you were to take that away then they've had teams that could run on anybody but the best teams could take that away because you couldn't throw on them right right and that's right. the key and and till, till notre dame strikes that balance you're 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 gonna struggle you're, you're really gonna struggle to win the biggest games you can't you're not going to go out there and, and out throw Ohio State in Columbus, you know, throw for throw. It's just, it's not who you need to be. You need to be able to go out there and punch them in the mouth, mm-hmm. and you know, and get scores that way. Now, that doesn't mean you still can't bang a post right over the top for fifty yards, but it's right. after you've established the fact that hey, you better bring a little something extra into this box because, <laughs> you know, we're just going to work you. And that's what Georgia did. They just put eight guys, eight sometimes nine guys in a box and said. I dare you to beat us on the football. And their name was like, okay, we won't. You know, USC tried that, and Wimbush was like, I got you. And he was able to make those plays. Uh, and a lot of other games he couldn't. You couldn't do it against Miami, couldn't do it against Georgia, and that's what cost him. And that's what hurt Notre Dame in 2020. You know, and, and against Alabama in 2020 in the Rose Bowl, Notre Dame actually, people forget, Notre Dame had over 100 yards rushing in the first half. Yeah. But it didn't matter because they got a big chunk of those yards on one drive, number one. And number two, for Bama, it's like, cool, you'll get your yards, but you're not getting points because you can't throw the football. And by the second half, and same thing with Clemson in the row in the Cotton Bowl in 2018. Yeah. People forget Notre Dame was had an efficient run on the six of their first 10 carries. But after the second series, Clemson was like, this dude's not going to throw the ball down the field. <laughs> so we're just going to load up and you're not going to run on us. And Notre Dame had no answers. Yeah. That same year you talk about with that Georgia defense. What did Lincoln Riley? What did he do? He didn't come mm-hmm. in and try to run the ball to start that game. Mm-hmm. They spread them out, especially right. down the middle of the field with the tight ends. They got big plays. 
And once they got Georgia thinking about that, then mm-hmm. they started coming back with the counter plays and the quarterback runs yep. and everything. And before you know it, before you knew it, this defense that we thought was so stout was down what almost three scores. You know, and they kind of had to reel everything back in and say, wait a minute, you know, let's relax, adjust. That's the beautiful thing about sports, right? I don't care whether it's basketball, baseball, football. You can't take away everything. Right. Not right? not from That's, good teams. Especially against good teams. Yeah. It's like you're playing baseball, you're facing a great pitcher, you're going to have to give up half of that plate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I'm looking for the ball out here. Right. I'm leaving that alone. If he throws it in here, right. hey, I'll take the ball strike, whatever they call. It's the same thing with football. You can't expect to take everything away right. from a team. Like Notre Dame on September 3rd is going to have to choose their poison. Right. And my expectation is that Travion Henderson is going yeah. to be the target. Like You can't let that guy go off. That dude you have no us. chance if he goes off. Yeah, he's None. not beating us. Mm-mm. If they throw the ball 50 times and they beat us. Yeah, don't fine. get their yards. We just got to mm-hmm. try to make a stop, make a sack. Close and, it know, down in the red something. zone. Right. Right. But if they're balanced yes. and Henderson goes off, you are not. You have no chance against the pass game. No. None. No. None. Yeah, and we saw it in yeah. the Rose Bowl. They threw the ball a lot, but they committed a lot of turnovers. hmm that gave Utah an opportunity yep. to jump out to that lead. And that's the type of that's the type of game you want. You don't want the running game to get going right. for Ohio State. So well, look look at the two games they lost last year. Here's Ohio State's rushing stats and their wins: 201, 323, 237, 208, 166, 187, wow. 161, 263, 206. And then, like you said, the the the, the they played four competitive games really last year. Mm-hmm. Nebraska. 30 carries for 90 yards, one of their lowest scoring games. They only scored 26 points. Mm-hmm. Scored 28 against Oregon, 128 yards on 31 carries. And then Michigan, 30 carries, 64 yards. And then Utah, like you said, 20 carries for 110 yards. And part of the reason they won that game is because Utah was basically throwing running backs out their corner. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, that helped as well. But you, you, And that's what – I think that's why Lincoln – or Ryan Day made a lot of the changes he made. It's because they want to get back to being that balanced team. That that how'd they get their first title? They, they ran it down Alabama's freaking throat. And throat. then that set up the bombs to the Devin Smith and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. But it was it was establishing the run. And I think you look at the best Oklahoma teams. That 2017 Oklahoma team could run. Yes, they had Baker and they won the high, you know, Heisman and blah, 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 blah. But that Oklahoma team in 2017 could flat out run the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then some of his later teams, he got too cute. The further he got away from Bob Stoops, the less they were effective running the ball, and they weren't as good. You know, but that – I mean, he, here's what they did in their last three games, right? I mean, to to get them into the playoff, right? They ran for 313 yards and a win at West Virginia. And if you remember, that 17 West Virginia team was pretty good. Yeah. Right? At least they were good on offense. Uh, they scored over 34 points a game that year. Then they go to the Big 12 title game and they against TCU, and they ran for 218 yards against a really good TCU defense. Mm-hmm. And then in the playoff game against Georgia, they ran for 242 yards. Yeah, That was the most competitive game they had in the postseason, in my opinion, a team that that team should have had a chance to win. They only ran for 163 the next year. The point spread was even greater. And then in 2019 against LSU, they ran for 97 yards, got absolutely ran off the field. Because that team couldn't run the ball. They tried to – their running game was Jalen Hurts running around. Yeah. And that's not a running game, no. not against a good team. Not, again, Lamar couldn't do that against LSU. With all due respect, Jalen Hurts, he ain't Lamar, you know, and you've got to be able to line up and run the football. And in my opinion, they just – they weren't as good at doing that against the better team. They'd get their garbage yards against teams that sucked, that were that were playing a 3-3-5 and all that stuff in the Big 12 and all that. Yeah. they just run at it. But they couldn't establish the ground game like they could early in his tenure because that's what Stoops had established. Yeah. And that's what often gets missed about Oklahoma is people forget, like like even going back with Quentin – I mean, they threw a ball a lot, but Quentin Griffin was, was to me, the heart and soul of that championship team in 99. Oh heck yeah! A little running back, a little running back. Adrian Peterson, the year in two thousand eight, that great offense they had that year. Two thousand yard running backs on that team. Yeah, Marco Murray and Chris Brown both went for over a thousand that year. Yeah, 
those were the, the best Oklahoma teams could run the football. I mean, you go back to the 80s, of course. This is a different, it's a different era. Like we can't compare what happened in the 80s to now. It's a different game. You know, so it's just a different universe. But anyway, it's it's great conversation, Sean. That's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Great audience today. Great conversation. Great chats. Great all of it. It's a very fun show. We'll be back tomorrow with a um, uh, with a with obviously our recruiting hour. Ryan and I will be together tomorrow. Uh, so so check that out. So we had tons of signups on the message board this week. Definitely more and more people. We've been able to find some things that have been able to to get our message board rocking and rolling a little bit better. It's a lot faster, so so we think we're getting close to to getting that up to date. But of course, as May say, K says, Sean, join the message board, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Leave a five star review. Visit the Irish Breakdown store uh, for some sweet merch like Sean's hat. I actually just ordered that, as I said earlier in the show. You can also get like polos like this in there. And as always, go Irish. So, thought, Sean, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Sean has been a little under the weather recently, but he powered through, did two shows a day despite being sick. So, his wife is probably going to make him some uh, <laughs> some soup and tea here coming up after the show. Uh, so, we appreciate that. But thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, and we will talk to you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.